Hello and welcome into another episode of BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN.com and I think we're far enough into the show now, we're uh, 10 plus episodes in, that I don't need to number them at the beginning of each episode, especially with the volume of episodes I plan on rolling out in the next several weeks here as the football season approaches. It's just uh, getting to have so many now that it'll, it'll just get tedious, so enough with the numbering, um, just get right into the show. First, let me fill you in on what I was able to put together at this past week's Big Ten Media Days because I'm pretty excited about the guests we were able to bring on board. As some of you may know by now, Fox will control a fairly large portion of the TV rights to Big Ten games starting this football season. And to sort of highlight this transition, Joel Klatt hosted the Big Ten kickoff luncheon on Tuesday and Jenny Taft played a big role in the festivities as well. Joel and Jenny are both members of Fox's college football sort of A-team. They're the... They're the uh, primetime crew, if you will, and uh, Joel is the lead college football analyst and color commentator alongside Gus Johnson, and Jenny is the sideline reporter for that crew. And both were kind enough to come on the Take 10 podcast and join me at Media Days uh, this past Monday and Tuesday, and I talked to them for this week's episode about a variety of personal and professional topics while working in a good amount of Big Ten talk as well. And beyond that, going forward, I'll have a bonus Media Days interview with former Notre Dame quarterback Brady Quinn coming next week, which I'm very excited for. And uh, I plan on dropping a lot of stuff to go along with our BTN bus tour, which begins late next week and runs almost all the way up until football season, which will span the entire Big Ten and visit all 14 schools. So be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean and rate and comment on the show and when you subscribe it makes it much easier to stay tuned but for now I'm going to start with my one-on-one sit down with Fox's lead college football analyst Joel Klatt. All right, I'm excited to be joined at Big Ten Media Days by a former three-year starting quarterback at Colorado. He's the lead college football analyst for Fox Sports and the host of Tuesday's Big Ten kickoff luncheon at media days it's joel clatt thanks for joining me joel welcome to chicago uh it's good to be here can't wait i'm excited this is uh, as excited as i've been for a season in a long time not just because of the teams out there across the country but the fact that you know fox is is starting this new relationship with the big 10 so could not be more excited and uh hopefully we get through this luncheon unscathed sure yeah you're a big 12 guy in college at colorado you called a, a couple of big 10 football championship games but uh-huh. uh you still gotta endear yourself to most of the conference and this, yeah. this luncheon's a good chance to do that so do you got anything uh lined up for the fans tomorrow you know for, for people listen when you're up there people expect you to be entertaining and funny and um it's not really my forte either sure um i can talk about football <laughs> so i've written a few jokes i've passed you know i've, I've said them to some of my colleagues and and i have not gotten very good reactions so i think i'm just gonna fall all the way down to if you just make a joke about the SEC, it's going to land well in a Big Ten room. I think so. you'll be safe with an SEC joke. I think that'll go over pretty well. There we go. So uh, you're, you're a Fox. Is an Ole Miss joke too soon? No. It might be a little too soon, but uh, I think the fans here would appreciate they a kick out of it. it. Yeah. So uh, you're at Fox now as the, the lead college football analyst. You got Gus Johnson by your side on the call. But I mean, uh, this isn't a case of a, a former football player, you know, just dropping in the booth like yeah. you see, you know, in the NFL maybe with. Uh, Tony Romo, Jay Cutler, you, you literally started your broadcasting career calling high school games, yeah, right? Yeah, I did. I was, um, this was never a career that I thought 
was in the cards for me. Um, I was an economics major at the University of Colorado, and if I, I, I fully thought, you know, I was going to exhaust my playing opportunities, obviously, and then I was going to, in my mind, most likely coach, and if not, I was going to go into some sort of finance or banking. Um, that's just the way that my mind worked. So. I once I, I got out of football, I, I started doing that the banking route. I was an investment banker. I raised equity sections of private real estate yeah. uh, deals, speculative real estate deals, and I was doing that. And Fox Sports Rocky Mountain, uh, the regional network in the Denver area, had a high school pack packages a game, and the analyst Alfred Williams, the former Bronco who was a Super Bowl champ, as well as a Colorado Buffalo, he got sick. And so they needed an analyst. And because I had just been the quarterback, they knew who I was, obviously. They, they heard I was in town, and they called me to do one game. Yeah. It was just to fill in. And it was a high school game. It was a high school football game. And when I got done, the executive producer, who was also directing the game, said, hey, I think you should do this more. And that's, um, that's literally how it all started. Sure. And it just started growing. He gave me a, a few more games. And I started falling in love with it, and then I started doing everything. I started doing desk analyst work, and I had got a radio show, and I just kind of dove into broadcasting, and it's worked out. I could not imagine doing anything else with my life. So uh, you kind of worked your way up mm -hmm. through the fox tree from there. Where did you go after high school games in Colorado? Well, I did arena football games. Okay. Um, I even I have a minor league baseball background. I played for a few years before going back to school. So they put me on the Colorado Rockies desk um, as an analyst. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was fun. And then um, I went down to Fox Sports Southwest to do the Big 12 studio show. Mm -hmm. um, and while I was there, they would give me a few games here and there. I remember calling the Kansas State-Notre Dame game with, or I'm sorry, Nebraska game with Indomitian Sioux, uh, if you remember those years. Yeah. And one of the executives at Big Fox saw some of the games that I was doing and, and started promoting me kind of through, through the ranks. So from Fox Sports Southwest, I was doing radio in Denver, and then all of a sudden, Fox in LA asked me to be part of a bigger package, and then eventually they asked me to move to Los Angeles and be a part of FS1. And that's how it all happened. And then it's just kind of gone from there, and I've gotten some good breaks. And all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, they... They asked me to do the lead game, and that's always been my goal. So this, this genuinely is, I know this is cliche, my job is literally a dream come true. Because sure. once I started in this industry, my goal was to be a lead analyst for a network. The best, and sure. um, this is, you know, this is as good as it gets. And in particular, when we're on the precipice of a season, we're about to call football and what I think is the premier conference in the country. Yeah. So taking the path you did, kind of climbing up the, the mm -hmm. ladder, you know, earning your stripes, what's your opinion of guys that are getting opportunities now? Like I mentioned, Jay Cutler, Tony yeah. Romo, they're right off the field just getting dropped in there. Do you think there's a, a big learning curve there for guys like that? Certainly there's going to be a, a huge learning curve. Um, I personally think, you know, if I had my choice, mm -hmm. I would take my route, which was also a route that Kirk Herbstreet took, right. you know, which was lots of reps at lower levels to make mistakes because you need to make mistakes. Um, I am not envious of the guys that get their opportunity on a big stage because it's, it is very difficult. I, I believe that my job 
is 75% television, 25% football. Okay. And if you're just dropped in and have no basis of that 75%, yeah. that's a huge learning curve, huge. And I think those guys are going to struggle, you know, but that should be expected. And so hopefully there's some leeway given in the public, even though I, I doubt that there will it's be. It's just interesting because they're going to be struggling, like you said, in front of everybody, in front right. of the entire country. So right. it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, but being, I, I do also want to say, Alex, if you don't mind, that doesn't mean that they didn't earn it. Right. Because their playing careers earned them this opportunity. I am not one of those guys who's like, oh, look, they just get this opportunity. Listen, they earned it. Yeah. If I was a better player, I would have started at a higher level in broad, broadcasting. So um, I by no means... Uh, begrudge them their opportunities they've earned it but I think it will be difficult and they're going to have to really work hard in, in a quick fashion in order to integrate themselves into the television world and the entertainment world yeah and we use Cutler and Romo just because they're the most obvious and recent examples there's plenty of guys that have you know dropped in and done well and some that haven't I'm particularly interested in seeing how Cutler does because I'm a Bears fan and you know yeah. he's been such a polarizing figure but, uh, you know, it'd be interesting. I think I think Jay is going to have a little bit easier time than Tony Romo because mm-hmm. he's going to be with a couple of real veterans and and great broadcasters and Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis. Sure, that's going to allow Jay the opportunity to lean a little bit more on football early. He's not going to need to know as much television and mechanics and so on and so forth because Charles is so good. Right. Charles Davis is one of the best, and and he's a good friend, and and, um, so that's going to help Jay a lot. And then another thing that would really help Jay, not that he would listen to this, I don't know, (laughs) maybe he would. Maybe. Jay needs to be self-deprecating. Because of the way he is viewed in the public, you would categorize him as a bit of a, what's the word? Antagonist, sure. If you would. I'd agree with that. And so, if he can be so, and and you don't have to look any further than Alex Rodriguez, who embraced it, was then self-deprecated, he's awesome. and he's been great. Right. He's cha- totally changed the public. Totally opinion. changed his image, and I think Jay has that opportunity at least to go in and and if he can be be humble and a little self-deprecating, I think people would really appreciate it. I agree. Um, getting into your background a little bit more, you're not just a football guy, as you said. You you played baseball. You've also done some golf coverage, right, yeah. for, for Fox. Um, you're drafted, like you said, by the, uh, the Padres, correct, mm-hmm. before playing at Colorado. Did you actually prefer playing baseball over football, or was it football no, over baseball? I, I, my first love has always been football. Mm-hmm. My dad was a high school football coach for 30 years, and that, I mean, that's my absolute first love. I was just a better baseball player. Okay. Um, I was, you know, in particular through the high school ranks, and, and so I had better opportunities. And then when, when the opportunity to get drafted came about, the fact that I would retain eligibility in football was certainly a factor in signing out of high school yeah. rather than going to and playing baseball in college. Yeah. So um, it was never one or the other uh, with that decision, but uh, football has always been my first love. So, I just wish I was as good at football as I was at baseball. So you went, yeah, after, <laughs> after not making it in the minor leagues in baseball, you mm-hmm. went to Colorado to mm-hmm. play football. You were a walk-on at, yeah. at Colorado. So how does one become a walk-on, go from being a walk-on yeah. to a three-year starter at, at a Big 12 school? 
You know, I think there was a lot of luck involved. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of hard work involved. Um, and I think one was directly tied to the other. If I didn't have the opportunity to go and mature and learn about myself during minor league baseball, I would not have been the man that I was in college, in particular the worker that I was in college. I was a, much more of a self-starter and a leader once I got back to Colorado than I was uh, playing minor league baseball. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't recruited at a high level playing football. Everyone, you know, people thought like, oh, he must have been recruited by Colorado, so he just went back there. Mm -hmm. It actually happened in a very strange way. Colorado had just won the Big 12 championship in 2001. And I went up because the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator there, also recruited from the area that I played okay. in high school. So I knew he was at least familiar with me, even though they didn't recruit me. And um, and I had been to camp, you know, just like the the kids camp right. or whatever. Yeah. And so he had seen me play, at least at, at just a camp level. So I was familiar with him. So I went to meet with him, not to see if I could go there, but to get his advice about where to walk on elsewhere. Sure. I was asking him about places like Wyoming and northern Colorado and Hawaii for like, hey, do you know any of the coaches at these places? Are they good to walk-ons? Mm -hmm. And as soon as he realized that I was serious about going back and playing football, he stopped me and said, hey, you're going to come here. I was shocked. Yeah. I by no means ever thought that I was going to have the ability to go to the University of Colorado. So to me, I was just going to be a part of the program. And then all of a sudden, I realized I was a decent player. And once once I saw or caught a glimpse that there was an opportunity to play and that I could take that opportunity, um, I worked really hard to, to, to get it done, and in particular on the mental side and the schematic side, just to make sure that I could operate the offense the, to the best of my ability. But a lot of chance and luck, like I said, and it worked out. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by the stories of walk-ons, and then you'll see them. It usually doesn't get brought up until they're – you know, have a major role in the team, I'm like, oh, that guy's a former walk-on. And I'm like, how in the heck did this guy, you know, basically tried out for the team, yeah. made it, and then and now uh, as a starter and a, and a successful player, I'm always fascinated, yeah. fascinated with those stories. Um, getting back to your, your broadcasting a little bit, you, you're a national play-by-play -play guy, so you do games outside the Big Ten. With the Big Ten deal now in place with Fox, how do you brush up on all things Big Ten. It's, you know, now you're not just doing one game, yeah. obviously, you're doing many. So how do you get a bigger, I guess, background knowledge of the, of the conference? Well, I th it helps that I've always viewed my role. See, I think co college football is a much more global ent entity than even global in our opinions mm -hmm. than even the NFL. And the reason I say that is because college football is still a subjective sport. There's some subjectivity into how we go about crowning our champion versus the National Football League. Yeah. In the NFL, you're going to qualify for the playoffs. It's set in stone how you do that and how you don't. Right. And then there's a playoff till, till the Super Bowl. So people's opinion about teams are just that, their opinions. It doesn't really matter. Whereas in college football, it matters what the sentiment is around your team because that's ultimately where you're going to be ranked. And then that's how we put you into the playoff. So, with that being said, even though our, our partnerships, our contracts have only been with the Pac-12 and the Big 12, 
I believe that if you're going to be an analyst on any game in yeah. college football, you have to be a national analyst. So I've always approached it that, that way. Um, I do as much research or did as much research on the Big Ten as I did on the Pac-12 in previous years, even though we weren't technically a partner. Not, only because you've got to be able to talk over the whole sport and, and do it in a, in a quality way uh, and an informed way. So it'll be no different. I'll do as much work on the ACC and the SEC as I do on the Big Ten this year or yeah. the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And so because of that, I don't th it's not any different than last year. I'm not doing anything different. I'm not doing anything more or less than I've done in previous seasons. How many games are you guys calling with the Big Ten this year? Yeah, it just depends. Um, with the, how the schedule breaks out. Right. I know the that rights. there's contractually – how many Fox does is contractually obligated. Yeah. How many Gus and how I will do, time I have ones. no idea. Sure. I have no idea. Sure. I know – listen, we'll be at Michigan-Ohio State. You mm -hmm. know, that game is just – one of those games that you're going to put the lead crew out there. So we'll do that game for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're at Michigan State for the Notre Dame game. I won't be surprised if we're in Columbus for the Penn State game. Are you guys um, doing the Oklahoma-Ohio State game this year? Uh, no, uh, we don't have that selection. I think that was the number two pick. So okay. with the first pick, we took Michigan-Ohio State. Sure. And the number two pick, I believe ABC ESPN took uh, Ohio State-Oklahoma. Sure. Uh, what's it like calling a game with Gus Johnson, your partner? I, I'm great. not sure there's a more electric play-by-play -play guy in, in all the sports, really. He is, um, you know, because his energy is so good in the big moments, what I think is lost uh, is, is how good he is even outside of those big moments. Yeah. He has the best timing that I've ever worked with. He has an incredible editorial mind as far as what is going to play well. He's a great storyteller, which I think people don't even realize he's doing in a game, but he's setting up characters and building characters during the course of the game, and it's almost novel-esque, you know, so that at the end, you're not just watching the end of a contest, you're watching characters play out this mythical contest. Sure. And sitting in the booth it's pretty cool right it's, it's pretty cool to see he's he's the best i absolutely love working with gus um it's been a, a pleasure getting to know him and become his friend and uh i can't wait to move forward with some of the biggest games in college football it's your third season with gus third yes. third okay um so week one you got a pretty hectic schedule isn't, yeah. it? isn't that right i saw on your twitter you're going to uh, Washington Rutgers game, and then you, that's yeah. a Thursday? That'll be a Friday Friday, night. okay. So that'll be Fox's first Big Ten yep. game that's under the umbrella of the New Deal. Yep. Um, so we wanted to kick that off and, and do a big deal, and obviously Washington's likely to be in the top five, mm -hmm. if not the top four. To be a start tough challenge for, for Rutgers, for sure. It'll be a very tough t challenge for Rutgers, there's no question about it, because Washington's very good. Yep. Uh, so that'll be a Friday night. And then we'll jump on a plane and go back all the way to the West Coast. And Sunday night in primetime uh, on the network on Fox, we will have uh, UCLA hosting Texas A&M in the all-coaches hot seat bowl. Right. <laughs> so we'll see Jim Mora and Kevin Sumlin battle it out there. Couldn't be more excited. I think. I mean, that one's, that one's very, very interesting. Probably more so for the team that loses the game than the team that wins it. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, fans will um, be pushing the panic button. Oh, in those oh. And any time you get – I think it's so unique. I don't know if you think this as well. The, the SEC 
does not play outside of their footprint right. geographically. Right. They just don't. LSU has been willing to do it. Remember, they went to Syracuse and played uh, up at Syracuse. Then they went to Wisconsin. Lambeau and, yep. and played, played Wisconsin. Wisconsin. But we don't see that. I mean, you just don't see yeah. I mean, Texas A&M in L.A., that's, that's, I think it's great for college football, regardless of where the two teams are going to be ranked. Um, and I can't, I can't wait to see how that thing plays out because anytime you get one of those SEC teams outside of their footprint, to be quite frank, that's an opportunity for those hosting conferences, not just for UCLA, but for the hosting conference, the Pac-12, to try to get a win because anytime you beat the SEC in a non-conference game, it really boosts your conference. Yes. Um, and again, the subjective world of college football. So. Uh, that's a huge game, and I can't wait for it. So touching on that concept a little bit with the SEC not going outside of, uh, you know, or not, not challenging, scheduling tough games early in the season, I know you got into it a little bit with Colin Cowherd um, because yeah. he's been critical of Iowa, as Iowa fans know. Huh. And uh, on his show, you, he was complimenting the San Francisco 49ers draft with uh, yeah. C.J. Beathard and, and George Kittle, who actually was a guest on, on this show um, a few weeks back. And you got into it because – he criticized Iowa for, for yeah, supposedly listen, not scheduling tough. You can't be tough. on the bandwagon now. All, yeah, of, a sudden, then, all of a sudden, then, he's going to be praising the 49ers right. for, for Beathard and Kittle, Kittle. He's been killing Iowa for, what, two years now. Right. So I, more than anything, I just wanted to call him to the mat. That got you uh, some praise within the, the Iowa circles, didn't it? Oh, my goodness. I, Alex, you have no idea how much feedback I've gotten from that. People, for, you know, all the Iowa papers hitting me up and radio shows sure. and I mean, people up there have taken it really seriously. Like they, I'm almost a little bit of like a folk hero for them for like standing up to Colin Coward, carrying the flag for the Iowa Hawkeyes, carrying the flag for for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But I, I, I think that in our sport, the subjectivity allows for um, myths to be perpetuated, Mm -hmm. Um, and they just keep going. They keep going because there's nothing to stop it. Yeah. Right? Like in the NFL, there is playoff qualifications to stop myths. Right. right? In the case of college football, there's not. There's that subjectivity reigns. So things like that, whenever I get a chance to, what I believe, call out a falsehood, um, I kind of relish those opportunities. Yeah. You'd be, I think you'd be a good fit at Iowa anyway because they always seem to have a walk on that. Comes out of nowhere yeah. and then becomes a three or four year starter and is just you know tearing it up. So I think you'd, you'd be popular regardless among the Iowa Hawkeyes. So if you see any of their fans, I'm I sure. have more familiarity with a program like Iowa than I do ever would like Ohio State or Michigan. I would have never been recruited right. by them. Even though they compare Ohio you to the you're, the you're the Kirk Herbstreit of Fox, you know. Yeah. So, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> Didn't sound. Are you? Th- are you? Do you like that comparison? Or are you? Uh... Well. I- he, he's just so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is synonymous with the sport, and rightly so. He's, he's terrific at what he does. Um, he's been great for the game. And, but at the same time, I th- any, if I were to sit here and say, like, well, I don't want to be like anybody. You want to be your own guy. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. And, and Maybe hopefully the- someday you know, I can get to the level where you know, Gus and I are synonymous yeah. with the sport and, and we can be as influential as, as what Kirk is right now. He's, he's phenomenal. He's, he's great. So it's not that I don't like the comparison as much as, I mean, that's, that's a lot. To be honest, I think it's a, also an easy comparison. Just, you know, the blonde hair, the quarterback, and it's just right. like, so it's, it's, 
Oh, it's man. an easy comparison to make. Um, I'm younger. All right. So. Right. Are Are you? I. I am. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I, I didn't know uh, Kirk Herbstreit's age, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, all right. Wrapping up here, Joel. Uh, just a couple more questions. Um, let me get your favorite on-field memory from your time at, at Colorado, if you have one. Oh man, here we are trying to like um, boil down. Well, we're trying to ingratiate me into the Big Ten, and now I'm, I'm about to like lose a fan base here <laughs> because, without question, um, the moment that that I think I'll always re- remember um, from playing was in 2004. Um, we went to Lincoln and we beat Nebraska and. Yeah you know in memorial stadium and their fans were as good as any fans i've ever played in front of they were um always polite they're always polite but that that locker room after that win we had been through a really tumultuous season our coach gary barnett had been suspended the the previous spring and we had been investigated and nothing was was right you know so we Everyone kept their jobs as they should have, and and so we went through the season. And then winning that game on the road, it, you know, Colorado had not won in Lincoln that often, and so to be our biggest rival and win that game, I was without question the the best memory that that I can remember. How about your favorite broadcasting memory in the booth? Oh man, um, there are so there are so many. I, yeah, I think. To be honest, the thing I remember is is that that long what was it the twenty two play drive from Michigan State mm-hmm. two years ago in the Big Ten Championship right against Iowa. Yeah. Um, th- that I mean that was incredible. It was an incredible drive to hear Gus call the drive to try to think along with the coordinators on each side. That was as fun as as I've ever had. How much fun as I've ever had in the booth uh, that drive and Michigan State was ultimately victorious, but either team deserved to win that game. I mean, it was it was an incredible game that then like the ending lived up to what the game had been right. up to that point. Right, it was one probably the lowest scoring Big Ten championship game, but it it, it uh like well, you said I, at I the know end Ohio it lived State, up to it. Michigan State played. No, I guess that one wasn't very low score. Yeah, it was pretty. It was like it was, 13 to yeah. something like that. Yeah. I remember Bethard, um, early fourth quarter, he threw a bomb of a touchdown. It was like Michigan State climbed back, climbed back, finally took the lead, and it was like right. two plays later. It was like, boom, Iowa takes the lead, and all of a sudden their fan base is like smelling the playoff. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just remember the euphoria because we were right behind the Iowa fan. They were kind of on our side, that side where the booth is on. And so to see the euphoria, like, this dream is continuing. Like, this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, because all year you got the feeling from their fan base, like, is this, is this going to Right, they were continue? knocking on the door of the top four. You know, right. they, they were on the, the uh, selection show. and it, They win that game, they're going to go. Right. They're going to the playoff. Right. There's no question. And when Bethard hit that, t- I can't remember who caught the touchdown. Um, but to see that, I mean, to see the crowd, you know, I know what the television broadcast feels like, and that feels unbelievable. And then to see the emotion actually in the stadium, yeah, that was a really cool game. All right, last question, Joel. Uh, scrolling through your Twitter timeline, you seem to like tweeting out GIFs or, or GIFs to, to, uh, of, of usually TV shows to relate them to sports. So what's your, what's your go-to GIF in the, in the holster? 
you know what? This is, I got to call myself out. I didn't even know how to do that until this summer. Yeah. And, they put and, the little button in on, yeah, on the Twitter. On yeah, someone on our social team at Fox showed me how. And so since then, I've done like eight. And <laughs> Maybe it was just recent, but I was, saw like GIF, GIF, GIF. Yeah, exactly. So um, a go-to. I think the, uh, anytime I think you can put The Office, like the show The Office. There's so many. So like too. Michael Scott or any of those. There's so many good ones from The and Office. And everyone knows it, so it's always relatable. Yes, you know? exactly. So. And it's not too controversial and everything. You know, there's, that's always something. I know that the things I could post that would be the funniest I really can't post. Right. But that's... Uh, I feel you on that. That's yeah. my maturity, I think, coming out. <laughs> Five years ago, I probably would have posted it. All right, Joel. That's all I got for you. Thanks so much all for right, taking bro. the time. Yeah, you bet. Have a uh, great luncheon tomorrow. Yeah. Good luck. Don't screw up. And uh, I'm, I'm going to make a mistake. I know it. I can just feel it. All right. Well, we'll see you. Uh, we'll look for you on Fox this fall. Calling uh, call Big Ten games. So looking it. forward Thanks, to bud. it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. it. All right, thanks again to Joel Platt, the uh, crown prince of Iowa football, at least for now. And mark it down out there, he's definitely younger than Kirk Herbstreet, so we were able to confirm that. And I also got to give a shout-out to him because, like, 30 seconds into our interview, my computer completely crashed and took the questions and the recording software down with it, and we had to wait for it to reboot, and Joel was not phased at all, and was super patient with me, so I appreciate that. And he also powered through some microphone issues at, at Tuesday's lunch, which kind of messed up the opening joke. But he did uh, he did manage to get a huge freeze joke in there, an old Miss joke, like he said he was going to. So so major props for that. That got a good laugh. And uh, like he predicted anything SEC-related or any fun at the SEC's expense is very well received at Big Ten Media Days. But uh, one thing to get straightened out, he, he needs to uh, figure out why everything he touches causing technical difficulties before the football season starts because we can't have our main broadcast crashing down because Joel's got some sort of electromagnetic pulse coming from or something like that that's causing everything to crash. Get that figured out, Joel, and uh, we'll have a good season. Uh, let's get on to my next guest, Jenny Taft, also Fox Sports. Um, prior to arriving in Chicago this past week, Jenny had been running all over the country covering U.S. men's national soccer team for Fox, so we talk about that and talk about some of her other responsibilities and sports she's covered along the way. We talk about her dad's illustrious hockey career at Wisconsin and, and on to the Olympic hockey team and NHL and a whole lot more with Jenny, so here we go. Let's get into it. It's Take 10's discussion with Jenny Taft. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by uh, Fox Sports reporter Jenny Taft. Jenny's a member of Fox's top college football crew alongside Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. And with Fox's new Big Ten TV deal beginning this season, Jenny and her team will be covering a handful of Big Ten games. How's it going, Jenny? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, you're in Chicago for, for Big Ten Media Days. And you've had a pretty hectic schedule covering soccer for Fox, right? Yes. <laughs> it has been busy. I have to switch gears for a couple days here. I've been with the U.S. men's national team throughout the Gold Cup, which has been really exciting. They yeah. made it to the final, and uh, they just found out they'll be playing Jamaica. So that's Wednesday in Santa Clara, and I love covering the team. It's, it's been a really fun ride, especially ahead of the World Cup next year. So what's your schedule been like since uh, your Fox 
soccer coverage is, has really heated up this summer. Yeah, I think it's very unique where I have a busy summer full of soccer, and then August I really can switch gears thinking college football, and then in the winter I've had various assignments at Fox from motocross racing to NASCAR stuff to basketball. So it definitely switches gears, but soccer has been a fun ride, and I really have enjoyed covering this team. They're in pretty much a different city for every game, right? Mm -hmm. So you guys have crisscrossed the United States, and what other countries have you, you been in? Um, is, is the Gold Cup only in the United States, yeah, or is Gold it? Gold Cup is U.S. Okay. Um, at the moment, this this tournament, but we were just in Mexico City right. for a crucial World Cup qualifying match. And, and they tied. They, and they that, tied, yep. which was pretty impressive. Michael Bradley had a, uh, a nice goal there. And so that was a really great experience. Azteca is famous, you know, the stadium itself, just the energy. Um, the fans can one. be pretty brutal on the United States they players, right? They can be right? brutal. They can be brutal on the sideline reporters, too. They were warning me to wear a rain jacket. Really? Because they might throw stuff on you? Thrown. I, was, I was pretty good. I had a security guard, which he was awesome. Um, but, you know, people are, it's loud. They're yelling at you. But I think that's the best part about a sideline reporter, right? You get to be in these places and experience the energy and the atmosphere. And I think that's the same with Big Ten. Some of these venues are going to be unbelievable. Right, 100,000 people. And yeah, like you, you guys will be doing the big wild. game, so yeah. it'll be fun. Um, you've covered quite a bit of soccer for, for Fox with the both men's and women's yeah. national teams, correct? Mm -hmm. Where, where uh, is your favorite place you'd say that the uh, role has taken you Ooh, that's covering a really those teams? good question. Um, hmm, well, Mexico City, as I just mentioned, is a top spot for just a bucket list sure. item. Um, women's, just the entire Women's World Cup was throughout Canada and they went all the way. So yep. to be a part of that ride, we were in Vancouver, we were in Winnipeg, I mean, we were Montreal, it was unbelievable. And that was, the whole experience was pretty special. And college football wise, I'm not sure if I've had, I mean, I've had some pretty unbelievable games. Um, at Colorado, Boulder last year were some pretty exciting games. I'm sure Joel talked to you about. Yeah, Boulder. you're just saying that because Joel just came out of this room, right? <laughs> just came out. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had some pretty special games. So a lot to uh, look forward to this year. Sure thing. So uh, take me back a little bit into your history as a, a sports journalist. How did you get started at Fox? And then how did that uh, matriculate into your, your current role as the lead sideline reporter in the, on the top the A-team, as we'll yeah. call it. Um, well, for me, growing up in Minnesota, I grew up in um, Edina, Minnesota, just suburb out of Minneapolis, and I played sports my whole life, so that was always the goal. And my dad was a hockey player, my mom was a speed skater, so ice hockey was definitely a big part of my life. And um, I learned early on that I wasn't maybe going to be playing professional sports sure. for the rest of my life, and I just always wanted to play either hockey or lacrosse, that was my what I ended up playing in college. And I just always wanted to be around the game. I think in this role, I'm still connected to it in so many ways, and I still get the same rush on a sideline as I, as I did playing. And I think yeah. that's what's so cool about being a sideline reporter, that you're in the moment, but you're also kind of able to experience it the same way. So I always just played sports, and broadcast journalism was a really natural fit. So what was your first I guess, how did you break into Fox? And from there, I mean, everyone usually starts at a, a lower level. How did you work your way up? I ended up um, graduating from Boston University with a uh, broadcast journalism degree. And every summer I was home, I would intern at Fox Sports North. Mm -hmm. So I did various things for them as an intern. And they were hiring um, a Fox Sports girl program 
shortly after I graduated. And I'd been in New York working in PR. Didn't like it. Didn't really want right. to do PR, but I was a little naive and thinking I could get a, a job in TV in New York City okay. right out of college. Because why not? Yeah. So that really didn't work. But Fox Sports North was hiring, and they were very honest with me that if I did this job, I would ha- they would give me chances on air. I did social media reporting. I did hosting from Twins Games, in-arena hosting. Mm-hmm. And I just did a lot of different assignments for them and just worked my way up to... the. To, I was the Lynx WNBA sideline reporter for them first, um, and then Gopher Games. I did a lot of stuff. Just why not the girl that can skate who knows hockey, like get her on the ice. Right. I did a lot of Gopher interviews. And then FS1 was hiring, and I had an opportunity to go to Boston, to go to Nesson, and it just didn't feel right to do hockey. I really felt like FS1 would push me, and it could be a great experience, and it's been a great fit. So you've covered a wide variety of sports at Fox during your time there. You mentioned hockey as well as soccer and football. And you also covered the Westminster Dog Show, is that right? Yes, I did. That's got to be pretty unique and fun. That was a special experience. Um, Everyone at Fox was thrilled to have the Westminster Dog Show, and I think there's so much history to it. Um, I have to tell you, I have never studied more in my life because those dog names are very challenging. Right. And what if the Petit Basson Griffon wins? Like, what are you going to do? And there's so like, many different, you know, kinds and breeds and all that. So it's many unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it was a really special experience. And I obviously, I mean, I love dogs. So being in that element and Fox, I think, putting their sports twist on it, it was really special. And I'm really hopeful I could be involved again next year. Is that probably the most unique sport we can call it a sport you've covered or i'd like to say that has to be the most unique i'm trying to think of anything else that i've done that was really well i did cover um this year uh a guy jumping out of a plane it was called heaven sent okay without a parachute so that was pretty special too that was a extreme sport yeah and that was special that was on fox earlier this year that's got to be kind of nerve-wracking you know that's kind of a risky stunt it was very risky he had practiced it a hundred times with the parachute and just pulled it in the exact spot where he needed to land in the trap. So he was confident, so I was confident, but watching a man fall from the sky right. in that way, as and I'm the sideline reporter, so I'm getting the interview either way, Yeah, it was pretty special. So let's get back into your upbringing, your background yeah. a little bit more. You mentioned your dad was a hockey player at Wisconsin, and he wasn't just any hockey player. He was a, a very good hockey player. He was a captain on the uh, U.S. national team and then ended up playing... Uh, in the NHL for I think six six seasons is what it said in uh, my research so um, being from Wisconsin or playing at Wisconsin did he raise you as a a Badgers fan growing up in Minnesota yeah I really was a Badger fan I I, I've got the Badger blood as they say Um, it's unique because my mom um, my mom and dad met at Wisconsin and my grandfather was a vice president of the university so um, my mom grew up in, in Madison. She then moved to River Falls when he became the chancellor at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. And she said to herself, "When I can get back to Madison, I'm going immediately." Yeah. So that's where my mom and dad met. And I was just talking to her earlier, and I said I was doing this, and she goes, "Well, make sure to bring up when Wisconsin beat Nebraska in 1974, <laughs> and I was celebrating, and it was the best day." And I thought that's what Wisconsin is, right? Because it's that kind of fan base where, and that was a life-changing game, really, for the program. Yeah. I think if you look back, but she she just said, you know, those are the memories that I have growing up, going to Camp Randall, mom and dad 
just experiencing it. So I was 100% a Badger fan. I wanted to play hockey for Mark Johnson, who's just done an amazing job with the women's right. program. And my dad having played for, for Badger Bob, you know, I wanted that. And I just, I wasn't quite good enough to play there. And so um, it wasn't a good fit, but I've always just loved everything that Badger, you know, the, the entire atmosphere of Wisconsin is really special. So if you weren't going to be an athlete in college, do you think you would have ended up in Wisconsin or was it always really? A hundred percent. All my cousins have been there. Um, I said I played lacrosse at BU, which was a great fit, but they didn't have a lacrosse program at Wisconsin. Right. So I think that maybe that would have changed things for me. Um, but just, I think being from Minnesota, I, I support the Gophers in a way that I want them to do well. Yeah. I think having Fleck is going to be a big thing for the program. Oh, sure. and I'm totally, I'm very excited to get to know him and just learn more about his, I love his story and what he's done in his past. So I think that's exciting. And I have so many friends who are Gopher, Gophers. So sure. I want to see them do well, but if you had to tell me what to decide, I think I'd say Badgers all it's, the way. It's a tricky tightrope to walk because <laughs> I know it's a pretty big rivalry for some people. Some people, like yourself, grow up in, in Minnesota and they can get tuition at a pretty good rate mm -hmm. over in Wisconsin and vice versa. So it's, it's, there's a lot of crossover there, I feel like. So. A lot of crossover. So yeah, um, you grew up, you were a pretty, pretty good lacrosse player in, uh, <laughs> in Minnesota. And you, were you a walk-on at, at Boston? Yeah, so I walked on at BU. Um, kind of similar situation where I knew I wanted to study broadcast journalism and BU had a great program. Yeah. And um, the coach was, being from Minnesota, we're not known for lacrosse. And so I wasn't quite there compared to some of the players. And my coach was really awesome. She said, you know, come spend the fall with us improve and let's see at the end of the fall ball and I ended up you know earning a scholarship when I was there so it was a really cool experience to be a walk-on and that's what I love about Joel Klatt and I both walk right yeah it's, this is the walk-on podcast yeah, the walk -on right now podcast. Yeah. and it's just I think that there's something to say about and so many of these guys too that are a part of media days that right. have been walk-ons that have made something that's what I was saying to, to Joel that you know there's plenty of players in the Big Ten you hear about that are Thanks. that are stars and they start out as a walk-on, just mm -hmm. like just like Joel and yourself, and it's kind of unbelievable that I was telling Joel that you know you can basically just end up there by chance or by a tryout, mm -hmm. and then end up being such a crucial part of a, of a team. Yeah. Um, and Boston wasn't just any lacrosse program; you guys were were legit, right? We were pretty good. Yeah. yeah we made it to um, we made it to playoffs every year. Um, it was it was just an unbelievable group of women and friends that I still have, and a coach that obviously gave me a shot, which. Um, meant a lot but I think for me it was just being a part of a team and that I think is what's made me a good sideline reporter I'd like to think because I think in you playing sports in college you you understand what goes into it I by no means understand what these guys do but you know the schedule and the routine and how challenging it is and I just that's why I love getting to know these athletes because there's so much that goes into this and I just love learning the stories absolutely and uh, you mentioned your broadcast journalism degree at Boston, and you started out in, in PR. And, and I feel like when I was in school, I wasn't a journalism major, but I, I did take uh, some PR classes, and they would always say, like, oh, once you cross that line, you know, you'll never go back. Was that something that anyone ever said to you when you started in PR, where they're like, oh, well, now you can never work in the media? Was yeah. that ever something that was... That's a good point. It was a pretty short stint. I, I mentioned it briefly, but, like, I really wanted to be in New York mm -hmm. because... My boyfriend 
well, my now husband at the time, but he was in New York, so I thought, why not? We'll be in New York, and it'll be fun, and yeah. we'll find a job. And I didn't want to do PR, and I was only in it for six months, but it did give me a perspective of the other side of it. Sure. Um, and I think it's daunting a little bit to be in broadcast and you realize that you have to start really at the bottom and work your way up. Sure. So I think it, I was maybe a little nervous to take that step, but going home and going back to Fox Sports North was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, you know, it was good that I did PR for a bit to mm -hmm. realize I didn't want that to be my job. And your career is taken off from there so we're gonna fast forward a little bit now to, to the the current day your current role yeah. with uh with fox and and the exciting big 10 football season coming up how have you prepared for the season and, and kind of brushed up on your big 10 football knowledge especially being on the road so much and, and having these other responsibilities especially with, with soccer you know you're, you're never in one place yeah i think right now that you know i'm this soccer wraps up Wednesday with the final, but you know you stay, you stay up to date. You do all your research, right? You're always right, reading yeah. about everything, and I love college football and that the storylines are already kind of there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still so much, so much time has passed since last season, but guys have healed up, right? So there's injury stuff that I love to follow up on, and then there's so many games that are still fresh in our memory, right? And I think for the Big Ten, just it's always going to be so competitive. Yeah, and that's sure. why Fox is so excited about it because you really don't know what you're, you're going to get. And I think in just being a part of this media day, I'm going to get a chance to talk to players, talk to coaches. And then we just, we're all in. So Fox is thrilled about it. And I'm just excited to be a part of this ride with them. So we only do football during football season or do you still have other sports Yeah, I on? think that's the plan. Okay. Um, I will, I guess I'll always go where I'm told according to my bosses. But no, the plan is that I'm, I'm with Gus and Joel, and um, you know we've got a few of our games set, and then it kind of, we'll see, but a lot of big games, a lot of exciting games. So when were you told that you'd be on Gus and Joel's team? When did you find out, and, and what was your immediate reaction to learning that you were part of that team? I found out probably, gosh, two months ago, I'd say. Um, I'd had a, a few conversations with my bosses, reminding them of my Big Ten connections, and sure. just the excitement I had to be a part of something like this. But last season I worked with Joe Davis and Brady mm -hmm. Quinn and I loved working with them. So it wasn't an easy thing to think that I wouldn't be with those guys because I learned so much from them. Um, really just a good group and I think the world of them. I mean, I almost think they're just, I mean, it's there's A, B, C, who cares about the crew name? There's right. so many good crews at Fox that everyone's on the same level. So I was bummed to think I wouldn't be working with them, but Joel and I worked together three seasons ago and just everything about him and you you've interviewed him right. he's about the nicest guy in the world and he's a teacher you know and so I would learn so much about the game from him just being around him and Gus is legendary yeah I mean it's an honor to work with those guys so for me I just hope to be a great addition to the team and just grow from here your role in that team is a uh a sideline reporter and that involves a lot of in-game interviews with coaches on the sidelines and when they're running off the field in the tunnel and when they might not be in the best mood so what are some challenges that go along with that role especially talking to coaches and players in the heat of the moment really that's a very good question and i i put a lot of pressure on myself to ask good questions which um is not always easy, right? You may get one, you may get two questions, especially, let's say, a halftime interview, right? Yeah. You, most coaches, it's the last thing they want to do. I think that the 
key is to build the relationship with them ahead of it so it's not something that's they're caught off guard that's something you're doing these next couple days here you know 100 percent. just introductions it can be the smallest thing i mean i just met coach meyer and it's just a hello i'm look forward to covering you this year so he remembers me and when he sees me at that meeting and then on the sideline it's oh yeah who i met at the media day but um for me another rule i always live by is let them speak like don't be too wordy the point is what what are they saying Mm -hmm. like get them to talk about it in the moment but it needs to be something that has them thinking yet i also don't want to insult them right like there's no reason to insult what just happened in the first half or second half um but give them an opportunity to share so you don't want to hear me i'm not the reason you're listening it's what they're going to say so i try to keep it quick concise and to the point but you know to think that you have three questions with someone or at the most three it's got to be something that's open-ended and can let them speak and so it's just one of those I say it's the thrill of being on the sideline, right? It's yeah. being in the moment with them, but hopefully having built those relationships, um, you're going to ask good questions and they'll respect that. I mean, I, I'm thinking like my hardest interview would probably be like Snyder, walk and talk, right? Like he won't talk, he won't stop for sure. you. So you're Is that running. Bill Snyder yeah, from Kansas State. Kansas State. Yeah. So you're like running alongside him. Well, he's like speed walking, mm-hmm. but he never stops. Mm-hmm. So you're trying not to trip, and you're, the camera's in front of you, and you have two questions. But, you know, you, it's, that's the fun of it, right? right? You never know what you're going to get from these coaches. And I love when there's passion behind it. Like, I like, I like that. I mean, it's just that's what's so exciting is just to get them in the moment. So how do you handle it? And I'm sure you've been there when a coach is acting like it's the last place they'd rather be in the world and, and not giving you anything. <laughs> They're doing a, a Greg Popovich pretty much. How do, you, how do you handle that? I think you just have to be prepared with a couple angles. Mm-hmm. If they are short, ask. I mean, you have to follow. Why? Like right. You have to find out the disappointment, right? And I think it's just being able to read people well. And I think a lot of this is you're, I'm reading an, an energy or a vibe of how they're feeling. Um, but at the same time, if a coach is short, that's the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. It just... At, you're just giving them an opportunity to get that in. And um, I still think that you have to be able to give them a chance to, to speak. And that's always my goal. Keep it simple, but keep it direct so they know what I'm asking. Have you found that there's a sport in general where coaches are more, or anybody, even athletes, are more willing to be talked to, interviewed on live TV, like in the action? Is, is there, hmm. are, are some coaches across sports, you know, more, uh, are more willing to tolerate it than others, do you think? It's so unique how every sport is so different in that way. Like for, for soccer, it depends where I'm able to stand mm-hmm. for like the gold cup right now. I'm in it. I'm not able to stand between the benches, so I don't get the same access right. where normally I can ask an assistant coach quickly about a substitution. College football is similar in a way of every stadium venue SID is different on where I'm allowed to be. How close can I be? Would a coach talk to me? Can a can I find out if there's an injury? Everyone's different. Sure. And that's a challenge in college football that people don't realize where I'd say, like I'm thinking about Washington from last season, but they're very quiet. They don't tell you a lot about mm-hmm. injuries. So there's a lot you can't do where USC, very open. They're able to have me talk to the team doctor right there. So it just... It depends. Every school's a little different on sure. what access you're going to get. Um, but at the same time, you just have to be able to find information quickly, and that's the relationship aspect. 
All right, Jenny, uh, a lot of great stuff. I'm going to have one more question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, which I know that the matchups aren't set yet for most of the Big Ten games, but which uh, game or Big Ten stadium campus would you really want to get to this season if you could, if you could pick, if you were doing the uh, selections on the, the TV side of it? Okay, well, I have to say Camp Randall just because I would love to be back there. Sure. It would be a, a full circle moment for me, for my family. But to state the obvious, I mean, Michigan, Ohio State. Right. There's really nothing like that. Yep. And when I found out about that game, I mean, you get chills thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, I've never been to the big house. I've never, I have new, I have friends, family who tell me stories. I've already had like 20 ticket requests. I'm like, guys, can I just get my first game sure, yeah. before I'm asking for tickets? Yeah. Um, but just the atmosphere and is this is this the year for Michigan? Is this or is Ohio State? Because Michigan's rivalry? been Michigan's been down in that uh, that I series know. for a long time. And that's what I'm thinking. If Harbaugh's going to do it, he's got to do it soon, right? right? So I think the just energy surrounding that game and the rivalry. It's something that I am so thrilled to be a part of, and that's what you do this for, or those kind of games. So I'm going to have to say that's that's on the top of the list, but we got a little time before then. All right, sure thing. We'll see where you end up, but we'll definitely be watching. Jenny, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate the time, and uh, good luck at Media Days and with the rest of your soccer coverage this summer. Thank you. I will see you throughout the year, I hope. Yep, likewise. Thanks again to Joel and Jenny for joining me, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Got to admit, I'm very interested to see how the coverage looks with Fox now taking a good chunk of the broadcasts away from ESPN. Because, uh, I mean, even guys like Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated, who can be a huge critic of Fox and Fox Sports, he admits that Fox's production of, of sporting events is, is top-notch. And I have to agree with him on that. Uh, I mean, their postseason baseball coverage has been iconic. It's something that I grew up watching and always associate with Fox. Uh, their NFL games have been a staple for me as well as a Bears fan. Fox having NFC rights for a long time now. And, and then them carrying uh, Big Ten games will be another huge step in their live sports coverage. And, and um, definitely excited to see how we continue to work with them and um, you know see how the brands kind of merge now as we move forward in this partnership with them. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm absolutely sure that Joel and Jenny and, and Gus Johnson and that entire crew will do a great job because if you listen to a game called by Gus Johnson and uh, Joel Klatt, you know you're getting some of the best uh, analysis in the country. So uh, thanks to Wes White for producing this as always. Don't forget we've got Brady Quinn coming at you next week on Take 10. And until then, take care. <laughs>